0: Chapter 20 of Paul, a Herald of the Cross. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Paul, a Herald of the Cross by Florence M. Kingsley. Chapter 20. Claudius Caesar. The conspirators had sent for Herod Agrippa that they might ask his opinion with regard to the disturbed state of affairs. He is a dangerous man, said Minucianus. We shall do well to enlist his sympathies upon our side, and this, it appeared, was surprisingly easy to do. Agrippa had asked gravely for full information regarding the events which had transpired, and of which he professed entire ignorance. It is true that Caius Caesar was my friend, he said, with becoming seriousness. He heaped upon me many benefits by the way of requital, for what I unjustly suffered at the hands of Tiberius. But think not that therefore my eyes were blinded to his character, and slaying him ye have acted the part of noble patriots, nor shall ye lose your reward. He paused and looked impressively about him. Now, with regards to the pretensions of this Claudius, he is harmless enough and a good man, yet withal not fit to hold the reins of government, in that he is feeble in mind and infirm of purpose. He must be persuaded to retire from the camp of the Praetorians, and at once. He shall be forced to retire, said Curius hotly. Our course is clear. A part of the army is with us, and we can free the slaves, thus binding them to our interests. True, O wise tribune, replied Agrippa with a differential air, yet to meet the disciplined legions of Rome with a horde of untrayed freemen would imply an issue by no means doubtful. If Claudius can but be persuaded to lay down his pretensions peaceably, the army will at once fall under the direction of the Senate. The horrors of a civil war will be averted, and all will be well, both with the country and its rulers." "'Thou hast spoken wisely,' said one Bracchus, a senator, but to persuade the man will not be an easy task since he hath already a taste of power. I offer myself as ambassador, cried Agrippa boldly. If the man refuse to listen to justice and reason, then may we think of employing force. This suggestion was approved. Three ambassadors, of whom one was Agrippa, were chosen to wait upon Claudius Caesar, so-called emperor of Rome. Claudius Caesar, for half a century, the unhappy butt of his royal kinsfolk had come at last to be master of the civilized world. Claudius is too nearly an imbecile to be emperor, Tiberius had said scornfully, and had passed over his claims to the succession with no further comment. Claudius is a monstrosity, which nature began but never finished. His mother Antonia was wont to declare with a sneer, Claudius is the most amusing person at court. Observed Caius, when he is sober, he is a historian, when drunk a clown, and whether drunk or sober, he is first, last, and always a fool. Having recovered at length from his not unreasonable fears of assassination, he had received the intelligence of his good fortune with solemn joy, to the fact that the senate was almost in arms against him that the city was torn with contending factions, that even the army to which he owed his precarious position was of two minds regarding his succession. He seemed entirely oblivious. I must have a throne, he said seriously, else how can I be emperor? Also purple robes and jewels. I will not remain longer in the camp. If Caius be dead and I emperor... Why should I not return to the palace at once? Moreover, there are my parchments to be attended to. It is impossible for your Majesty to return to the palace until it be put in fit order for your reception, said Cadris. This astute personage had followed the soldiers from the palace to the camp, on the memorable night in which they had discovered Claudius, and being familiar with the character of the new monarch, "'had lost no time in establishing himself as one of his principal advisers. "'They say,' he added, lowering his voice, "'that the spirit of the murdered man haunts the place, "'and that the cries of the child are heard at night from the corridor where it died.' "'Claudius grew pale. "'Then by the immortal gods I will never return. "'But what then shall I do?' he whined fretfully. "'This is no place for an emperor.' There are many places in Rome, Divine Majesty, began Cadrus soothingly, but Claudius interrupted him with a violent wave of the hand. Do not call me divine, he whispered. T'was that that killed him. The gods were angry. Nay, I am but a man, a feeble man, he added in a loud voice, as if to propitiate any jealous divinity who might be listening. Yet am I also emperor of Rome. And he heaved a long sigh of satisfaction and looked about him complacently. Why do not the senate send to me for orders? He inquired after a pause. The senate has been thrown into great confusion by late events, began Cadrus, his face growing suddenly dark as he perceived that Agrippa had just been admitted into the royal presence. Master of the world, I salute thee said the Jew, kneeling gracefully and kissing the flat, flaccid hand which was extended to him. I have matters of importance for thy royal ear. I would therefore request a short time alone with your majesty. Claudius glanced timidly at the scowling face of his attendant, but did not speak. Out of the way, slave, said Agrippa, with a haughty gesture of dismissal. I have no time to waste. Codrus burst into a loud, derisive laugh. Then slowly and deliberately he turned his back upon the pair and left the tent. "'Impudent dog,' said Agrippa. "'Why dost thou tolerate the fellow without thy person?' "'He is a useful knave, a clever knave,' said Claudius. "'A pretty hand at the dice, too. I have already lost to him more than I rightly know since I came to this place. A man must do something to pass away the time.' Your majesty will do well to employ these hours in considering the very grave situation, said Agrippa, frowning. If now there should be war. War? exclaimed Claudius, starting from his chair. No, no, my friend, there will be no war, no killing of any sort. I will not hear of it. His heavy, good-natured face had grown quite pale. He leaned forward and seized Agrippa by the sleeve, Look you, friend, he whispered, I hate blood, I hate it, dost thou hear? I will have none of it, there shall be peace and money, plenty of it, shall be given to the people. I have said it, I am emperor. He leaned back in his chair after this outburst and looked about him vaguely, I am emperor, am I not? He faltered, turning again to Agrippa, The soldiers yonder are not making sport of me? Assuredly thou art emperor, said Agrippa impatiently, but beware lest thou be torn from thy high estate. I tell thee plainly that the senate are as one man against thee, and that a part of the legionaries are with them. They will liberate the slaves, furnish them with weapons, and thus form a great army with which to force compliance with their demands unless thou shalt yield peaceably i yield i yield cried claudius rolling up his eyes in manifest terror tell them so good agrippa at once what is it that they want of me they want of thee nothing less than a complete renunciation of the throne said agrippa studying with deliberation the face of the man before him They demand that thou shalt cease to be emperor and become again Claudius Germanicus, a citizen of Rome. Claudius stared vacantly before him for a moment, then his chin quivered, his eyes overflowed with tears, and he burst into loud sobs. I will not cease to be emperor, he blubbered. No, I will not. Why, look you, good Agrippa, I have not even sat upon a throne as yet. They said i should be emperor with a feeble gesture in the direction of the guard which could be seen pacing slowly backward and forward before the door of the tent they promised it agrippa smiled darkly listen he said sternly this is no time for womanish fears thou hast said aright the army the imperial all-powerful army has willed that thou shalt be emperor an emperor thou shalt be, despite the empty threats of the senate, if only thou shalt listen and heed what I shall presently say to thee. I am listening, said Claudius, rubbing his wet eyes with the backs of his pudgy hands. What must I do? An embassy from the senate, of which I shall be one, will shortly wait upon thee, said Agrippa, speaking slowly and clearly, as if to a child, They will demand of thee that thou shalt utterly renounce all claims to the throne, that thou shalt at once leave the camp of the praetorians, and further, that thou shalt yield thyself to them in due obedience, as a simple citizen of Rome. In return, for which concessions they will promise thee their gracious protection, together with means of sustenance and support, yet do not forget that the hands which extend to thee this so-called protection are dripping with the blood of thy kinsmen. I will not yield, declared Claudius stoutly. Bravely spoken, cried Agrippa, with flattering emphasis. Thou hast the spirit of the warlike emperors of old. Thou will not yield? And why? What can the Senate, torn into a thousand factions and threatened with complete disruption, supported Moreover, but a mere fragment of the army, what, I say, can it do? Let them free the slaves. What then? Can a mass of raw and unorganized troops meet the disciplined legions of the empire? Claudius laughed aloud. They will not try it, he said boastfully. I will give the soldiers money, plenty of money. They like that. I will give them five thousand drachma apiece what sayest thou? Agrippa raised his brows in astonishment. Tis an extravagant sum, he said, yet if it gain the balance of the army, yes, give it. Tis no ordinary game that we play. Claudius comprehended this language perfectly, for he was a confirmed gambler. He nodded his big head knowingly and snapped his fingers with a gleeful laugh. ha, <laughs> Thou art a pretty fellow, Agrippa, a knowing fellow. If we win this game, thou and I, I swear, that thou shalt lose nothing by it. Caius gave thee a kingdom, but I can make it a bigger kingdom. Agrippa's eyes sparkled. He drew a long breath. This man, he thought within himself, is no fool after all. Aloud, he said gravely, your majesty is more than generous. But believe me, I have allowed no selfish considerations to influence me in this matter, which is world-wide in its importance. I must leave thee now, but do not fail to answer the Senate as becometh the master of the world, and the gods grant thee prosperity. Do not leave me, good Agrippa, implored Claudius. First tell me what I must say to them that I make no false move in the game. An hour later the embassy from the Senate was ushered into the presence of the emperor with all the pomp and circumstance of which the surroundings permitted. The ambassadors duly preferred their demands and were met with a refusal couched in such dignified and uncompromising terms that they were smitten with amazement. Claudius displayed a surprising knowledge of the disrupted state of the Senate coupled with a clear and far-seeing understanding of the advantages of his own position, which they found it difficult to confront. Their consternation and astonishment were betrayed clearly enough in their faces, and Claudius, perceiving it, bade them be of good cheer. Do not fear, citizens of Rome, he said majestically. Any repetition of the scenes of blood and tyranny which hath hitherto oppressed you This rebellion, of which the Senate has been guilty, shall be freely given. Since their reluctance to seeing another emperor on the throne of Rome is most natural, under Claudius Caesar the people shall taste of an equitable government. And this I pledge to you by everything which I hold sacred. I shall be ruler, but in name. The authority shall be shared with the Senate and with the people, the eyes of the speaker rested for an instant upon Agrippa, while a slight triumphant smile played about his lips. Thy message shall be given to the Senate, O Claudius, said Herod, with well-simulated dismay, and the embassy withdrew from the presence. Twenty-four hours later, Claudius was borne in triumph. From the camp to the imperial palace, the remnant of the army had come over to him with loud acclamation and rejoicing, and the senate left, without any means of defense, had sullenly surrendered to the inevitable. In place of a madman we have a fool for emperor, said Curius, with bitterness. Look you, cried Sabinus, violently, rather than see another Caesar master of Rome, I will slay myself in his presence. Happy Aspirinus, who fell at the hands of the imperial guard at the very moment when liberty seemed ours, groaned Lupus. In the meantime, Claudius sat upon the throne of the Caesars, well pleased with himself and all the world. To be emperor is a good thing, he remarked to Cadrus, who by reason of his manifold accomplishments had already become indispensable to the royal pleasure. But I am weary of all this ceremonial. Come, what say you to a quiet game with the dice? Aye, and let them fetch some wine. With all the pleasure in life, royal master, but there is yet one thing to consider. The murderers of Caius Caesar still live. The emperor's ruddy face grew pale. They can do me no mischief, he said, querulously. Why dost thou mention the matter? I wish to forget it they do not forget gracious majesty who performed the deed said cadres darkly as long as they live moreover the ghost of thy dead kinsman will cry aloud for vengeance as long as they live red-handed murder holds the sword over thine own head claudius gave vent to a smothered shriek and involuntarily looked upward what shall i do he cried in anguished tones What justice demands, said Cadres, assuming the stern integrity of an outraged patriot. What the peace and safety of the state demand. Claudius groaned. What must I do? He repeated helplessly. Give orders to the guard to have them apprehended. As for their lands and money, give them to those who are indeed and in truth thy friends. Thou shalt have them, cried Claudius mightily pleased with this idea. Thou shalt have them, thou and Polybius and Narcissus. Only manage the thing for me, for I will not hear of blood. He shuddered violently at the word, and relapsed into a gloomy silence. Gracious Emperor, cried Codrus, prostrating himself at the royal feet, I am unworthy of thy condescension, yet have I a request to prefer in view of thy generosity? What is it? demanded Claudius, rousing himself. Grant me leave to change the name which I bear, and which is bound up in my mind, with naught but slavery and degradation. Let me from henceforth be Felix, the happy, since thou hast conferred upon me all the joys of existence. A pretty conceit by the immortals, cried Claudius, in high good humor again. Felix thou art, from this moment, Felix Claudius, for thou shalt also bear my name in token of the kindness which I feel for thee. And now for our game of dice, good Felix, that we may forget all the care that hath irked us. And thus it happened that Curius and Lupus, and with them many other noble Romans, who were concerned in the death of Caius, were shortly condemned to be beheaded. I pray you, good executioner, grant me one last... Request, said Coreus, when he was led forth, slay me with the sword with which I slew the Caesar, for if it failed to free my country, it shall at least deliver an unhappy mortal from the thraldom of an existence which has become hateful. And so he fared him forth upon the eternal voyage. They died for Rome, murmured the multitude who looked up, and they poured oblations into the fire, calling on the spirits of the departed to be merciful, and to forgive Rome for its ingratitude. As for Cornelius Sabinus, whose life and fortune had by some oversight been spared, he kept his word, for coming suddenly into the presence of the emperor he cried with a loud voice, that he could live no longer since his companions were slain, and with the words upon his lips he fell upon his sword, and perished at the very foot of the throne, which he had so hated. Shortly after these events, Claudius Caesar caused a proclamation to be made setting forth the death of Caius and his own accession to the imperial power, setting forth the death of Caius and his own accession to the imperial power, which proclamation being dispatched by special and swift messengers to every part of the Roman dominions reached Jerusalem full eight and twenty days before the letter of Caius to Petronius, bidding him take his own life, which message was afterward found to have been delayed by storms and shipwreck. Truly, the God of the Jews is a great God, declared Petronius, when he understood all that had happened. There is no other God like him among all the nations. End of chapter 20